So lately, I've been seeing several cycles in my life come to completion. Some that feel as victories, some that ask for a celebration, and others that, although feel incomplete to me, have enriched my life with so many lessons, as many as I could take from the situation learn from the people or the place. Sadly, with the completion of cycles comes the need to cross thresholds to get to the next thing. And with the welcoming of this new phase comes a painful goodbye. These moments usually stir uncertainty and fear. We yearn to stay with the known a desire to keep things as they have always been. Because we know it's worked, because we feel comfortable in these situations, we don't lack confidence per se. But if we are not careful and we stay in these moments, we may become stagnant, stalling our growth. So we must endure the pain of saying goodbye to the known, trusting that as new opportunities present themselves, we bring with us the many life lessons that bore fruit from those places and those people we have so grown to love. With the closing of one cycle, and as we are crossing those thresholds, our visions and dreams continue to exist, sometimes they are confirmed. There's no more discerning. This is what I want. This is what I yearn. As wild and ridiculous as they may sound. It is in this sentiment that we find the disciples in our gospel reading. And it's probably where we find ourselves too. So let us pray as we dive into our biblical text and explore the message God has for us this morning. Let us pray. Loving parent, we thank you for the privilege of coming together to worship you in spirit and in truth. Please open our ears that we may hear your message, our minds so we may understand it, our hearts so we may feel it, and our mouths so we go out and proclaim the good news to all. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in your eyes, O God, our strength and redeemer. Amen. We usually get four biblical texts in our lectionary. The four texts for this week is found in the book of Acts, chapter 1, 1 through 11, and is um, similarly a brief summary with the ascension story. And because scholars believe Acts is sort of a second volume to the gospel according to Luke. I wanted to take both accounts to make one narrative with the purpose of getting a bit more detail in the narrative of the ascension of Jesus. So reading Luke 24, we began the chapter with the scene of Jesus' resurrection and continues into the narration of the road to Emmaus, where Jesus walked with two of his disciples who did not recognize him until they broke bread. Scripture tells us that as soon as it was revealed to them, 
that the person walking with them next to them, the person they had been talking to all along was Jesus. Jesus disappears. Jesus is gone. And they run to tell the other disciples. Act tells us that after Jesus' suffering, he presented himself to the disciples and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. So it is possible that Jesus' appearance to Mary during the walk to uh, Emmaus and among many other described throughout the Gospels happened within these 40 days. On Luke 24, however, we get this sort of final appearance. And now, by no means does it say it was the final appearance, but um, it kind of hints at it since it's right before the ascension of Jesus. According to Luke, the day of Jesus' ascension, all the disciples were gathered and talking about Jesus' appearances. I can imagine the commotion in the room, yelling, excitement, fear, unbelief. Abruptly, they hear a very familiar voice saying, peace be with you. Suddenly, they see Jesus standing among them and immediately think he is a ghost. Jesus, seeing doubt in their minds, responds by showing them his hands, his feet, and he even asks for some food. This is to show still the humanity of his body, even after resurrection, I am no ghost. It is me. I am here with you. They were filled with joy to know that Jesus was once again with them. Yet they were still not able to understand what exactly was going on. They asked, Lord, is this the time when you will restore the kingdom to Israel? Their questions came from the Jewish understanding of a Messiah that would establish an earthly kingdom through which he would rule the world. By now, it was evident that Jesus had risen. He had conquered death. To them, the next thing was to rule the world, the restoration of peace and justice, a redemption of all the outcasted and marginalized. They were ready to see this happen. And I'm sure they were also feeling a little bit confident as they had been with Jesus through the entire ministry. However, this is not what Jesus meant when he spoke of the kingdom. And deviating from this thought, Jesus said, It is not for you to know the times or dates Abba God has set by God's own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. I am going to send you what Abba God has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. Then, according to Luke, Jesus led them out the vicinity to Bethany. He lifted up his hands and blessed them. While he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up into heaven. Jesus suddenly is lifted, and a cloud takes him out of their sight. Jesus had 
just told them to stay in Jerusalem and wait for the gift of Abba God. Acts tells us that the disciples' initial reaction was to stand there, gazing towards the sky. I would have two if I were with them, really. After they had answered a call into a ministry they were probably not too sure of, after they had witnessed the miracles, the healings, the sights, the casting of demons and resurrections, after all they had witnessed, after they had shared joy and pain and endless meals, after they had felt devastation, after they had seen the violence of the crucifixion, it seemed as if Jesus' ascension concluded a time. They had learned all they could from Jesus. They had learned all they could as disciples, as friends, and as followers. It was time to cross the threshold of that new thing that came with a promise from God. They were not alone, even if they once felt, once again felt like they were. The disciples are then encountered by two figures in white robes who tell them, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up towards heaven? And for some reason, I can imagine a smirk on their faces. This is Jesus. The Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. This filled the disciples with hope. They knew something grand was about to happen, for it had been promised to them, and they returned to Jerusalem with great joy, staying continually at the temple, praising God. We are coming close to a new phase in our beloved community. We are coming close to the conclusion of years of pain and joy, of fighting a system that slowed our growth and experiencing growth nonetheless as the resilient group that we are. Consumed by the cause, celebrating victories and embracing each other in defeat, living in a contradiction of feeling alone, yet acknowledging that we are surrounded by love, for we bring that love. And now we stand on the threshold, about to cross it, maybe feeling anxious, but hopeful. A hope similar to the disciples the day of the ascension. We may stay there looking towards the sky, soaking on all that has happened. Every single meeting, every single feeling, every worry that occupied our mind, and every joy that alighted our hearts. And then we're asking, now what? We may gaze recognizing that we are once again experiencing loss as the disciples once again were experiencing the loss of Jesus. We must let ourselves feel those feelings. We must take that time to process This gaze towards the sky is a moment of acknowledgement, a look back to all that was done, felt, and experienced, not in defeat, but in celebration. We know something grand is coming, but we are not to stay there for the longing. 
to keep things as they have always been is not what Jesus asked the disciples to do. They were to continue the ministry. They were to share the good news to the ends of the earth, something that probably seemed unachievable or overwhelming, a task that seemed too big to be completed by them, but they were not alone. We are not alone. God has sent the Holy Spirit, Ra, the creative power present from the beginning of time, the force that transforms situations and conditions. This is the gift of Abba God, a whirlwind of possibility for our church, for our community, for us. This is a promise that is extended to us as we step into this new phase in the life of our church. And if you find yourself experiencing a disorientation, know that the Holy Spirit is there guiding and provoking change. And here we stand on the threshold, gazing, and as we stand there thinking about all that we have endured and achieved to get to this point, I want to invite you to look into the future knowing that there is still more to do. There are more celebrations to, have, to be had. Scripture tells us that those 40 days Jesus spent with the disciples were spent talking about the kingdom. It was important that the disciples understood what was next. Jesus' invitation was to continue co-creating this kingdom. We are extended that same invitation, not only by word, but also by action, modeled best by Jesus. We are asked to practice what we preach. This kingdom is, is one that is open to all nations, one that does not come to realize, to realize through military force, but one that invites us to bring testimony through actions, actions based on love actions that bring liberation, not only to us, but to all who sit on the margins. Let's be mindful that as we envision the future with hope, Ruah is present and inviting creativity into that future. As we continue moving towards our liberation, know that we are invited to explore those possibilities. The celebration of weddings are only the beginning, bearing we are called for the celebration of love and more. The narrative of Jesus' ascension does not only remind us that the Holy Spirit is present to guide our steps as we seek out the kingdom, as we co-create with God, but we are also reminded that Jesus sits at the right hand of Abba God. Our scripture in Ephesians reminds us of that cosmic display of Jesus' unbounding power and our psalm scripture serves as a celebration of Jesus seating at the right hand of Abba God. This is the same Jesus we proclaim. This is where we are extended that invitation to co-create, to bring good news to the poor, to set the captives free. Bearing, you are a beacon of hope. And now, part, futurely part of the UCC, you will not stop being that beacon of hope. We are moving 
into our new face. It brings an invitation. It brings a reminder of that Holy Spirit, that creative power, that reckless love that is here, that is in you. We are asked to come forward, to go out into the world and share it, for this is how we build the kingdom of God here on earth. Thanks be to God. In the name of the Creator, the Redeemer, and Sustainer. Amen.